Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. He is risen. Three small words that brought the collective pace of humanity to an absolute standstill. He is risen. Three words that shattered prisons. Words that shook the earth's foundations. Words that transformed a sense of utter despair into cries of pure joy and ecstasy. Echoes of history's greatest triumph that still shape our reality. Even today, we're assaulted by constant distraction, countless sources waging war for our attention, yet three words pierce the noise. In our hunger for validation, our desperate pleas for love and attention, three words calm our anxieties. In a universe spinning at breakneck speed, its inhabitants locked in an existential crisis, three words proclaim the purpose of our existence. He is risen. Lay hold of this truth and embrace the peace within. Yesterday, fear reigned in our hearts. Yesterday, we sat in crippling darkness. Yesterday, we suffered abuse and all the accusations of a broken world. But today, our King, our Healer, our Defender is risen. And this reality doesn't merely accompany us on a meaningless journey. This changes everything. For you see, if he is risen, then all other pursuits become secondary. All of our failures become insignificant. All criticisms and condemnations become irrelevant. There is only his word, his mission, and his infinite, unconditional love for you. Because he is risen, we look to tomorrow. Tomorrow, we will stop defining our worth through status and social media. Tomorrow, we will together build an everlasting kingdom. Tomorrow and every day after, we will dance in the radiance of a redeeming Savior who crushed death and set us free. There is nothing that Jesus cannot overcome. We know this because he lives. We know this because he is risen. Let me invite you to take your Bible and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're using one of the uh, hardback ones that are in the pew, that's going to be on page 815. And I'll also have uh, this, this main passage up on the screen here in, in just a moment. Um, we gather today to, to declare something, really, that, that, that if we're to be honest, sounds kind of insane, right? Because we gather proclaiming that Jesus Christ, who is crucified and buried, rose from the grave. Now, if you've, if you've paid attention at all to social media, there were some articles that were posted this week um, 
really asking the question, did, did Jesus really, literally, physically rise from the grave, and, and does that matter? Um, in fact, one going so far as to say that uh, one, one, and I'll, I'll use this term loosely, scholar, um, saying that he denies the virgin birth and the resurrection and still considers himself a, a Christian minister. Um, because he believes that um, the, the, the resurrection was a resurrection of love and peace, and I, he lost me there. I, I couldn't finish the article. <laughs> Does it matter that there was a literal, physical resurrection? And, and, and why does it matter? This morning, we, we gather here. If you think about this, really, the, the two main Christian holidays that we celebrate, Christmas and Easter, are both insane. We, we believe that, that Jesus Christ, that there was a man born of a virgin uh, who, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, who was the promised one, promised hundreds, thousands of years before he was born. And then on, on Easter we gathered, proclaiming that, that this, this same man rose from the dead. And yet that's of such monumental importance that men and women for the last two centuries have given their lives proclaiming this to be true. In fact, we, we saw news reports this morning that in Sri Lanka, um, on this day, on Easter Sunday, multiple churches were bombed, over 200 people killed, over 400 injured, gathering to celebrate the resurrection. See, see the central moment in Christianity is not the cross, as, as important as the cross is. And, and listen, I'm not going to minimize the, the, the weight and the impact of the cross, but, but the central truth of, of Christianity is not the cross. The, the central truth of, the, of Christianity is the empty grave, the, the resurrection. Because the cross was, there's nothing unique about the cross itself. Jesus was far from the first religious revolutionary to be crucified. He's certainly not uh, the, the first religious leader to, to have been killed uh, because of his teaching. And yet here we are declaring that, that the thing that sets Jesus apart from every other religious teacher and, and thus the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other world religion is that we worship a man who defeated death itself and rose from the grave. This is the truth I want us to look briefly at this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 22. So we're going to look at an extended section this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we look at this passage together. 1 Corinthians 15. Here the Apostle Paul writes, Now I want, you to, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, 
because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, and not even Christ has been raised, and then not even, uh, and if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Verse 20. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. May you speak through me. May our ears hear your truth this morning. May we not just marvel at the resurrection. May we allow the living living Christ to change our lives. We ask all these things in his mighty name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you. That's, that's, a, that's about twice as long as a normal passage that I would, that, that I would preach on a Sunday morning. And, and, and therefore, um, this, if I was going through 1 Corinthians, this would probably be about four, four sermons, okay? And you're going to get that in about 25 minutes, and so, so four messages, right? But, but here's, here's the, tr- the truth of what we see here. The first thing that Paul declares is what I want to say is, is the truth of the gospel in Verses 1 through 8. For Paul, there was no question that the resurrection was an actual, literal, historical event. In fact, in in the first few verses of this passage, what we have is is Paul quoting what had probably become an early hymn for the church by the time Paul writes. Verse 3, he simply says this, I passed on to you as most important. What I also received, and this is where the hymn comes in, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Think for just a second about the the, the truth of what Paul's communicating here. And think about whom is communicating this. Think think about Paul himself who's writing this. This Paul who is at one point Saul of Tarsus. Who made it his life's goal to persecute Christians. To squash this movement that was known as the way. 
fact, in Acts chapter 9, we, we see that Paul is on his way to Damascus with letters and the authority to imprison followers of Christ. When Jesus Christ, is, as he says here, last of all appeared to me as one born at the wrong time. Sees this image of the risen Lord and becomes a follower of Christ and goes from the greatest persecutor of Christians to the greatest preacher of the gospel. And this man who, who once thought Christians were fools comes to declare this gospel ultimately, as we've been walking through 2 Timothy here on Sunday mornings, ultimately giving his own life for the sake of the gospel in Rome. Now, brothers and sisters, I would simply say to you, we need to consider such a radical transformation and ask, what is it that did that in the life of Paul? What would, what would lead him from going out to persecute and kill and imprison Christians to suddenly himself being persecuted and imprisoned and ultimately killed for his beliefs? And what would lead him to go from seeking to throw Christians in prison to walking in among them and suddenly declaring the truth of the gospel. You think Paul didn't get some sideways glances when he walked into church the first time? Don't worry, I'm one of you guys. In fact, it took another brother to stand up and say, no, listen, I've, I've heard his testimony. Paul's one of us. It's the truth of the gospel. An impact with, an encounter with the risen Savior that grabbed Paul's attention and arrested Paul's heart. And that ultimately, as he'll write in, in the book of Colossians, moved him from uh, the kingdom of darkness to, from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. And so I would simply ask you this morning, have you encountered the truth of the gospel, or maybe another way to ask it is, have you encountered the person of Jesus Christ who died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, who was buried, who was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and who appeared to his followers? That's the truth of the gospel that Paul declares, but he doesn't stop there goes on and declares the, the weight of the gospel. In fact, let's pick up in verse 9 there. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Can, let's, let's stop there for a second. Obviously, in, in a room this size, and a gathering this size, I don't, I don't know everything that's going on in, in your life. But if you feel unworthy to be a follower of Christ, can I tell you you're in good company today? I'm not worthy, Paul would say. He's not worthy to be called an apostle. And look at verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Talking about the, uh, uh, the, the, the Pharisees that, that he... Uh, that he knew, and, and even perhaps the, the apostles, once he became a follower of Christ, I worked harder than any of them to declare the gospel, but it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. 
And look at verse 12. This is where he, so, so Paul felt the weight of God's grace in his own life. Then he feels the weight of the reality of the resurrection. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Apparently, there was some teaching that was creeping up into the, the church here in Corinth. Maybe, maybe the city of Corinth at large and the, the, the larger culture. Saying, maybe much like what, what we've heard in recent days, that, well, there wasn't really a physical resurrection. It was really more of a spiritual resurrection. And to that, Paul would say, nonsense. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we've testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. Look at 19. For if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. I've heard believers say multiple times, maybe you have too. Well, even if Christianity is false, it's still a good way to live. And if Christianity is false, I have nothing to lose. So, so, so I'll hedge my bets. Just even, if, even if I'm not sure that it's true, I'll hedge my bets because it's a good way to live. To that, Paul would say, no. If it's not true, we're the biggest fools who've ever lived. Because we are worshiping a dead guy. And our faith is in vain and we have no That's the weight of the gospel. That's, that's the weight of this question of the empty tomb. As, as I've titled this message this morning, that's the one thing that changes everything. And so listen, if you're here this morning, and maybe you're just here because it's, because it's Easter, and that's what you do on, on Easter Sunday is you, you go to church. You came to a church where the preacher didn't even put on a tie. I'm sorry. Don't look for one next week either. <laughs> Maybe you're here this morning just because it's, because it's Easter and you have some questions about, about this whole Jesus thing. Maybe you're skeptical about, uh, about this, this claim that there's, a, that there's an empty grave in Jerusalem. Maybe you're astounded by this whole, this, this group of people who claim to be followers of Christ, Christians, little Christs. To follow a man that we proclaim was sacrificed on our behalf and rose from the dead. But, but let me just present to you for, for a second the same thing that Paul's saying here. If, in fact, it's false, if Christ's body's still in a, in a tomb somewhere in Jerusalem, then you're right, this is all foolishness. I mean, we can watch the Cowboys on Sunday morning without feeling bad at all. Well, not bad at all. I mean, it's the Cowboys, right? So. <laughs> but listen to me, if it's true. If it's true, it changes everything. 
And there is no greater truth that the world has ever seen than Jesus Christ was crucified and buried, but on the third day, he rose again. So feel the weight of that this morning. My, my, my plea with you would simply be don't walk out of here and go have lunch and forget about this moment. Feel the weight of the truth. Feel the weight of the evidence that Jesus' followers who all fled in terror on the night of Jesus' arrest In fact, by all accounts, we only have one of his disciples who's even mentioned at the scene of the cross. We know Judas ran and hung himself after he betrayed Jesus, so that leaves ten. Where were the other ten? They were hiding for fear that what happened to Jesus is about to happen to them. We find Peter denying that he even knows Jesus three times on the night of his arrest. Now these same 11 men will go on and to a man give their lives, declaring that this Jesus whom they walked with for three years is the promised Messiah and the risen Savior whom they saw after he was dead and buried. They saw resurrected to life. And these men who ran away like cowards will suffer beheadings, being speared, being sawn into, declaring, never never once recanting that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is risen from the dead. And listen, I'm simply going to say, we should ask some questions about that, that, that means something. For them, the resurrection changed everything. And Peter, who denied that he even knew Jesus, history tells us was crucified upside down, declaring, I'm not worthy to be killed in the same way as my Lord. Then he appeared to James. If we go back up just a little bit, he appeared to James. Talk about the weight of, of this resurrection. And, and Paul's saying if, if, if he's not resurrected, then, then, then it's all false and we're to be pitied above all else. But if, but if he's raised from the dead, then that changes everything. For, for James, Jesus' own brother. Now think about that for a second. My mom's here, and she'll agree with me here. If my brother Cody started declaring that he was perfect, I have evidence. Okay. We know at one point James didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but he comes to believe that his brother, his older brother, is exactly who he declared to be, himself to be. That he was, in fact, resurrected from the dead. Now listen, if you got siblings here, like I said, you, you know, you got a brother or sister who starts saying, hey, I'm perfect, regardless of what mom and dad may have thought, I mean, we, most of us know the difference, right? And yet for for James to say, no, I believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the resurrected Son of God, that should cause us to pause for just a moment. 
and ask, what changed that in James' mind? I believe it was seeing Jesus resurrected. All right, so here's the question then. What do we do with all this? Why does this matter? We gathered here on, on Sunday morning. We all ate. We got our bellies full, which is a, can be a rough combination right before coming and sitting in a service. All right, so even if it's true, why does it matter? What, what effect does that 2,000 years ago have on my life now in 2019? When I'm sitting here struggling trying to pay the bills, why does the fact that Jesus walked out of the grave matter? How does that impact my life? Well, look at verse 20. But as, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Look at 22. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Now Paul here takes us back to Genesis, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve who had a, a perfect relationship with God until they decided to rebel against God, decided to go their own way. At the moment they rebelled against God, we're told that sin and death entered the world just as death came through a man, Paul says. Through Adam. When sin entered the world, it fractured God's order of creation. Broke the design that he had for us. Separated us from him. And in our brokenness, we go chasing after all kinds of things, trying to fill what is ultimately a God-shaped hole in our hearts and lives. So, so let me simply tell you, the reason the, the, the resurrection matters to you is because your biggest need, and my biggest need, is not just to pay the bills this month. The, the biggest need that you and I have is not simply to make sure that, that, that our kids have clothes. And, and listen, I feel that weight, all right, because I got an 11-year-old who's growing faster than my wallet is. Your biggest need is not to stop whatever bad habit you have. Your biggest need is to be reconciled to God. That's the brokenness that's ultimately in our lives as we've been separated from God because of sin. This is where, and, and the Bible tells us that we are deserving of death because of that sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, as Paul would tell us in Ephesians 2, made us alive together with him through Christ Jesus. He declares that God sent Christ to die the death that we deserved. That's what the cross is. See, the picture of the cross is what you and I deserve because of sin. It's the death that all mankind deserved. And yet God in his mercy sent Christ Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb, to be our sacrifice, to take our place in order that we might be 
reconciled to God. Don't miss this. The power of the resurrection is declaring that what Christ did on the cross is enough. And as he said right before he took his last breath on the cross, it is finished. He walked out of the grave three days later, putting sin and death to death once for all. Promising, if we trust him, if we follow him, we can be reconciled to God. That brokenness that we all feel can, can, can be restored, be forgiven of our sins. We can recover and pursue God's design for our lives and God's design for the world. And then we get to set out being agents of reconciliation for the kingdom of God. As Paul would say, pleading on behalf of God, pleading be reconciled to God. Verse 22, just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. In the cross and the resurrection, Christ undid what was broken in the Garden of Eden. So let me simply ask you this morning, have you come to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I wonder if you've done that today. Have you felt the weight of the cross? Have you felt the weight of Christ? Dying in your place on the cross. Taking the sin that was yours and in turn giving you his righteousness. Have you turned from sin and trusted in Christ Jesus? If not, let today, let this day that we celebrate the resurrection be the day that for you, You look back and you say, I have come to understand the one thing that changes everything. And on that day, I trusted in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's changed everything. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song called Because He Lives. Now, you can do this a couple of ways. So um, if you've never never trusted in Christ, I'll be down front and, and Chuck Moon will be on this side. We would love to receive you and, and to pray with you and, and, and lead you in a prayer, uh, repenting of sins, trusting in Christ Jesus. In your bulletin, you, you have that same orange card, and, and down on the bottom is a little spot that, uh, that gives you some options about what you want to do. And one of those is, is that I want to trust in Christ Jesus today. And so maybe that's you, and you've, you've never done that, and you want to you want to pray to receive Christ today. You can check that, place that in the offering plate. Be sure to put your contact information. I will get in touch with you this afternoon. We'll talk more about that. Or you can simply say, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. 
not real sure about this whole thing, but, but I want to know a little bit more about, about this Jesus that you talked about this morning. Check that, put it in the offering plate, put your contact info on there, and I'll, I'll be in touch with you this afternoon. We'll talk more about Jesus. We're going we're gonna to stand, we're going to sing the song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. This, this one thing that changes everything. Because Jesus lives, no matter what you're facing in life, God's bigger than that. He will give you the strength and the hope to face whatever. Because Jesus is risen from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for Easter Sunday and for all that means for us. Those of us who are followers of Christ already, may we, may we feel the weight of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf this morning. May we never take for granted the fact that we deserved to die that death. That you sent Jesus to die in our place. We've been set free from sin and death. May we not live like slaves to sin anymore and we've been set free. For those in this room who have not yet trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, would today be the day? Would today be the day they turn from sin and they trust in Christ? Believing that the resurrection is the one thing that changes everything for us. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your word that shows us who Jesus is and the reality of the life that we have because he lives. We ask all these things in his name. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 10.30. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you this week.
Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.